Hello, welcome back again to Let's Talk Tottenham. A little bit overdue this time, but you know, things have been happening that are not normal, so <laughs> hence I haven't had the time to really do a podcast, uh, even though I said I would. Um, but yeah, so I think we all know the situation. This virus thing is getting out of hand now, and it's, it's becoming a real, real problem. People are getting more sick, and uh, you know. Everyone's got to stay indoors, follow the government advice, whether you agree with it or not, doesn't matter, do what they say, stay indoors and then stay away from people. If you have to go to the shops two metres away and then hopefully we can get this thing away by summer and we can actually have a summer. And then, uh, you know, people who have been furloughed, I've been one of these people on furlough and I'm just hoping and praying that I get to go back to a job that I like, a company that I like and then nothing more serious happens than that. I just get bored for a couple of months. Uh, there's people in a worse off situation than me. Uh, so yeah, ho- hopefully it all goes away in a month or two and we can all try and go back to a bit of normality. Um, but anyway, I did goalkeepers last time. Uh, I'll do defenders this time. Slightly different, I won't go through each game because it was pretty obvious last time. I can't really remember most, most of the game. Uh, so talk about that, the uh, comments that have come out uh, from Tottenham. Uh, in this last week, uh, Harry Kane's comments, which I'm sure you saw the interview with Jamie Redknapp. Uh, talk about getting stones or Lovren, uh, and then players going on for uh, staff going on furlough, and Premier League suggestions to finish the season, and then talk about some what I've been doing in a quarantine and and being stuck at home. So start off with Tottenham. So let's talk. So first things first, like I always say, if you've got any questions, any uh, comments or anything like that, anything you'd like me to talk about, at uh, LTalkTottenham on Twitter, and I'll get round to it. Um, and if you listen to it and you see the post on Twitter, please retweet or sh- and share with anyone you think that might uh, be interested in listening. Thank you. So this episode uh, we'll start off with Tottenham's defence which has been an absolute shambles to be perfectly honest but like I said last week I think it's it I don't think it's just the defence that those back four or five whoever he plays in any specific game I don't think it's just them I think it's a combination of things so like I said last week the goalkeeper situation where they're making mistakes I think Bruce's confidence in the defence that you know as years gone by with Loris, if it went past the defence, you generally knew if it was a bit too hard that Loris would come storming out and clear it. Whereas now, I think with the you know the goalkeeping mistakes, I think the defence are thinking, okay, well we've got to do something here, and then they don't really know what they're doing, and they're not keeping their line because they're, they're focusing on other things, such as oh, do we have to deal with this? Add to that as well, which I'll talk about in the next episode because that will be about the midfield. The gap between the defensive four or five and the midfield has just been a chasm this season. So it's been said before, I've said it before, I'll say it again, selling Dembele without a replacement was bad, bad bit of business, regardless of how much money we got. Uh, when Yama and uh, Dyer's um, injury issues that's been another one. Uh, with, with, with any two of those three playing, you had Dio Wanyama sat at the back, literally marshalling just in front of the back four. 
Uh, you also had Dyer going back into a back three when we didn't have the ball, certainly in that 16-17 season in his prime, which gave us more stability and, and, and you know made us look a lot more solid. Uh, the following season, he kind of got didn't play as much as Wanyama did, so he didn't drop into the defence, but he basically marshalled, similar to how Kante and Makaleli did, not as good, but um, although he was, I would say, one of the best, if not the best defensive midfielder in the league in that season, um, Wanyama in the 16-17 season. Uh, and then you had Dembele, who could skip past people, but he rarely, rarely went beyond the halfway line, even though he'd skip past a few people. He generally... Get the ball deep, take a couple of people out of the game, give it to an Ericsson, Son, Ali, Kane, whoever was up there. Uh, and then he'd stop running and stick his position in. Whereas now, which I'll talk about next week, you've got midfielders who, who either die, who, who doesn't have the uh, agility and the fitness in him. Um, and midfielders who just want to attack all the time and don't want to stick to their position and stick to that position got then Harry Winks who is being asked to stick that to that position but his defense his positioning isn't good enough for that position because that's not his position uh, and then once players get past the midfield and there's a massive gap then it's basically attack versus defense and you know it, it was just too exposed which previous seasons wasn't happening at all even though we had uh, Walker and Rose bombing forward on the left and the right wing uh, everyone was tracking back, uh, and then, like I say, Dyer was uh, fitting into the uh, back three, uh, so we had a bit more stability, and then you had the, the protection there from Wanyama, Dembele, or both. Um, yeah. So it started off at the start with Pochettino. I, I have no idea what happened, but we used to be a team who, who right from the front all the way to the back, close people down, similar to how Liverpool do now. Everyone does it. And then we suddenly stop, so we don't do that. We didn't do that anymore. Um, and then Mourinho's come in, and we don't really do that at all. Um, so I don't really know what happened, because we, we were at our best in that Pochettino area, era when uh, we were closing everybody down, doing what Liverpool did. We were the first ones to do it, really. And then Liverpool followed suit. Now look where they are. Um, we were the first ones to really do that, and it seems to have stopped. And I, I have no idea why. Maybe some players getting injured and 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 leaving. Um, that's the nucleus of of the the team that did close down. But I don't think that's the case. But yeah, the the main issue with the defence this year, regardless of those three things that I'm talking about, is defensive errors and and lapses in concentration. I really like those. I know he's not at us at the moment, he's on loan at Newcastle, but I really like Rose. And that 16-17 season, which <laughs> I'll be saying that quite a lot because that was the best season that we've had and one that I legitimately felt we're going to win the league here. But like, he was superb in that season. And then, it, it, you know, it's been talked about in the media and by himself about um, mental health issues, which are a real, real big deal. And this coronavirus and people furloughed and losing jobs and everything, being stuck indoors... It's going to have a huge, huge impact on mental health, I think. Being stuck indoors will drive people mad, especially if they live alone. Uh, they're not going to be able to talk to anyone and see anyone. At least if uh, you know, you've know got living with people and they're driving you mad, at least you've got people to live with. So, yeah, so 
you know anyone who's living alone, struggling, just talk to them, pick up the phone, Skype or, or FaceTime, whatever, just give them a chat. But anyway, um, but yeah, it's I'll deviate from the point there. So his mental health issues, um, I think, have deeply affected him, which it would anyone. Uh, and he got injured at the same time as well, which I think helped to those mental health issues. And I think the injury he had has knocked some pace off of him. So he's not quite the player he was because the player he was was one who's bombing down the wing and then putting crosses in and being able to get back. Uh, and then add to all those together, I think that's really, really damaged confidence for him, which I really like those. But I think his, his best days are behind him in a footballing sense. Uh, and add to that the racial abuse that he gets, which is just unacceptable in any walk of life or any way that you look at it. Racial abuse, absolutely disgraceful. Uh, I think he's fallen out of love with football a little bit and just confidence shot to pieces. Um, but the Villa game, it was his lapse of concentration. Like John McGinn, good run from him, but Rose was just looking at him and, and just a little bit slow to react. You can argue first game of the season, a little bit of rustiness. You can argue that. So I'll give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt there. But like it's carried on and on and on. Defensive mistakes. Sanchez started letting the ball bounce again. Like number one rule of defending. I learned this when I was like six. Like you don't let the ball go over. If you can head it, you don't let the ball go over your head and let it bounce. You get rid of it before it bounces. And he started doing that again. Uh, not so much at the, in the Pochettino part of the season. Uh, he was our best defender, I thought, there, the most solid. Um, but we kept changing defence, and that's followed on from Mourinho, with Mourinho as well, where every game, the defence changes. Like, you, you can't get communication and, and like, a, you know... The back four or five, whatever it is, need, need to be a nucleus. They generally need to be the same four or five, uh, and the goalkeeper as well, so they can get a bit of um, communication going and understanding going. Like Keep chopping and changing, no one really knows what they're doing. Add to that the goalkeeper who's making mistakes and no one really trusts him potentially. It's just a recipe for disaster. When we were at our best, it was Vertonghen, Alderweireld, Rose, Walker, and like I said, Dyer when we didn't have the ball. But that was every game. And then Loris at the back, that was every game. You can't help with injuries, fine. But we're chopping and changing without any injuries or suspensions. It's just every game. Those five there that I've mentioned, six, if you include Dyer, knew exactly what their jobs were, exactly where people would be, exactly what other people's strengths were, what responsibilities they had. And seem to have gone. I don't know why. So we seem to have changed that. Uh, but yeah, defensive mistakes. You know, you know. The, the goalkeeper issue, perfect illustration of that was the Villa game towards the end of the season where before the, the, the stoppage. Uh, where it was the cross that came in, their first goal. The cross that came in, he starts coming for it, Lois, which out of Ild sees stops. Then he looks round again, sees Loris has gone back, has to do something, puts it in his own net. Now, you know, I mean, you can argue, you know, you know, is Loris coming for it? I don't know, just get rid of it. But he's seen him coming, so he's uh, said, OK, he's coming for it. That's what he used to do. Uh, I'll back off and let him take it. And then he stopped. Why has he stopped? Um, 
but yeah, and, and it's just individual mistakes, letting balls bounce over, you know, I can't remember what game it was. Tangangangu's come in, he, he played really well against Liverpool, but then he, he I think he's, the honeymoon period for that is over and he started making mistakes. I can't remember which game it was. Uh, it was one where we conceded three. I think it was Wolves at home. He's slashing at clearances and all sorts. Uh, but in fairness to him, he's been played since he's come in. Centre-back, right-back, left-back. <sighs> Stick to a bloody position. Stick to one position. It is, you know... He doesn't know what he's doing, really. Like one week, he's got a train as a central defender. Next week, as a right-back. Next week, as a left-back. You know, different people in front of him, different people next to him. He's young as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't understand why we're chopping and changing all the time. And it just doesn't lead to consistency of people playing there. Uh, Tongan seems to... His legs seem not seem to have gone, but he's a lot slower than he was. Uh, out of veal doesn't look as assured as he used to be. Uh, right back, I mean, going forward, all is fantastic. Puts good crosses in, makes himself available. Uh, defensively, defensively, I don't think he's actually that bad. That's going to be a controversial comment, but I don't think he's actually that bad. I think his big, big issue is decision-making and just rush of blood to the, rushes of blood to the head, which makes ridiculous decisions, diving in and, and you know, giving away penalties, diving in and committing himself, so he's skinned. Uh, and then we've got left back, which we've got about 15 different players there, and we like, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Davies got injured, which is unfortunate. Rose, like I said, has been out of form. Um, but it just keeps chopping and changing. And, and everyone who comes in, because they're not used to playing with each other, maybe, or, or, or like I've said, that the lack of midfield support, uh, which then creates, um, oh, what am I trying to say, you know, confusion and, and oh, who's doing what, am I supposed to do this? It then uh, causes pressure, which then causes people to make mistakes. And everyone who's come in has just has made mistakes. Goalkeepers, defend, central defenders, right back, left back. Everybody. Um, and, you know, all throughout the season, we had a couple of games where literally the team didn't really turn up, so we kept clean sheets. Palace at home, Burnley at home. But other than that, like, teams have caused us problems all over the shop. And I, I do think it's a lack of support from and, and stability from the midfield. I, I do believe that because we haven't got that central defender or the calm heads. And, and Dembele, like I said, was a calm head. Giving the ball, you know you're going to keep the ball nine times out of ten, excluding the FA Cup semi-final loss to Man United. Um, so, yeah, um, but the defence... It's just been leaking goals, leaking goals, and then when it gets to the goalkeeper, generally they're leaking goals. Uh, possibly a confidence issue. Um, I'm sure well, before this coronavirus um, pandemic hit that Mourinho was looking at sorting that defence out, but then who knows how much money teams are going to have now, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but yeah, 
it's not really much of a view of defence. Although I suppose it kind of is, and it's not going through every game going, can't remember that one, can't remember that one. So it's, uh, uh, you know, I've got a lot to talk about. I don't want to go on for too long, even though people have got plenty of time to listen. But it's my droning voice, and you shouldn't be subjecting people to that. But I just think, compared to where we were, where we looked so solid, had the best defence in the league not that long ago, we've now really fallen from grace in that area. But like I say, like the, the individual errors are a big problem, and that is fully the defence's fault. But in terms of being caught out and under pressure and all that, I don't think it's just on them. Although you can argue with no one tracking backs, one of the defenders, certainly an out of field or the two wide defenders, should be calling for the people in front of them to get back. But then it's also the managers, um, both managers' responsibility to do that. So hasn't been very good for the defence, um, but that's my review of their season. So. so the news that's been about Tottenham in the last month, week or so, uh, rumours that we're both interested in John Stones and Dejan Lovren. I'd rather have myself in defence than Dejan Lovren. Stones is, is a weird one. He was fantastic at Everton, hasn't really done anything at Man City, but I do I do think he, he's... Our defence haven't had this time. They need consistent. He needs consistency, so he needs to be playing constantly. At Everton, he knew he was playing every game. So that will give him confidence. Uh, and then he knows his job because he knows he's generally playing with the same back form goalkeeper. With Man City, and, and you know, if you make mistakes at Everton, it's okay. You're young. You're trying to, you know, mistakes will happen, but you'll learn from them. Man City, make mistake, out. You don't get back in. Which my fear is if we got here, Mourinho would be exactly the same. And that seems to have had a, 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 quite a bad effect on his confidence. No doubt he, he's he's a very good defender and he's a ball-playing defender, which is why Man City wanted him. Uh, so he is comfortable with the ball. Um, so maybe he could play in a centre uh, defensive midfielder position for us, like a Dembele, nowhere near as good, obviously, or strong. Uh, but he's comfortable with the ball and bringing it out, and then he can slot into the defence. Uh, Lovren, I mean, he's just mistakes waiting to happen. I mean, you talk about our individual errors, he's mistakes waiting to happen all the time, so I wouldn't want him there at all, and he is a lot older. But, like I said, with this coronavirus and the impact on, on money, like the fact that Levy has furloughed staff, um, is there going to be any money for anyone, really, to buy anyone, unless they're people on a free, like William, who's on a free, and then you just got to sort his wages out. Um, so our defence, uh, whenever next season starts, could be exactly the same defence that has just been awful this season, uh, with the exception of those who might move permanently or go on another loan. Um, uh, the Premier League suggestion is that it's going to try and finish. I'm not sure how that will work. And, and De Bruyne has made some comments yesterday, I think it was, which... I would echo that players have, 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 I know they've got their individual training and everything like that, but you, you know, you, you can do running, stretches and all that, but it can never ever simulate playing a game and the, the physical aspect of playing a game. So whenever these players come back, let's, let's say for sake of argument, it's the 4th of May, it's a month. They've had two months not playing. They're going to be rusty. Like De Bruyne has said, you know, people are going to get injured. You know, so why, why they have pre-season is to get their fitness up, yes. 
which you can do at home, going to the gym, running, whatever. But it's also to get their match sharpness up, which isn't going to be replicated completely because it's friendlies and players don't go in full hard. But it, it, it's getting used to that. So essentially, you really need a pre-season. So if it goes on too long, uh, uh, players are going to get injured, but they need the same amount of rest that they would in the pre-season and then a proper pre-season for next season. And I'm not sure there's enough time to do that unless you start the season in October. You then got the Euros. You know They struggle to finish the season as it is. And you're starting it two months late. So I'm I'm not sure. I, I think unless they can start this early to mid-May, I just have no idea how they're going to finish the season. And you know, three games in a week, you know, fine if it was in the middle of the season. But these players haven't been playing football for, like I said, two months. If it if it's only a month away, and they're just going to be rusty. Like even you know. I mean, Sun isn't even training at all from all accounts. He's doing his military duty. So I have no idea what that entails, but I'm assuming it's not going to be the fitness that he would have if he was at home, like Deli Alley and Harry Kane are having. Um, so I think it's really, really risky. And, and I do fear that the season's going to be void. Because if they can't finish it in time, like I say, they need a full pre-season just to wind down. And, and you can't really say now is winding down because it's not the same thing. That winding down when they go is going on holiday with their families and just relaxing and getting away from football, which they now have got individual programmes now, so it's not getting away from football. Um, other things, Kane's interview with Jamie Redknapp, live on Insta uh, Instagram or Skype or whatever it was that was broadcast. A lot of people having to go at Redknapp for like trying to wind him up and, and, and you know goad him into saying things, which you know the comments I'm talking about, about that he said if we don't win trophies he'll be leaving, which I mean I could have interviewed him there and he'd have said the same thing. I don't I don't understand why it's got so much hate for, for Redknapp, even though he's a bit of a moron, but why it's got so much hate for him because everyone knows that that is Kane's thoughts. And you know you know, it's possible that it's not true and he would stay at Tottenham, but it's just a, a, a almost a threat to Levy sort sort Jose out with the players he wants. But now we're in a situation where what money is going to be around. So I think, like I said, he'd give he'd give Mourinho a full season because he was injured, which I do think will be the case next season. And if we don't win anything. I'm not sure winning an FA Cup if we're like fourth in the league will be sufficient for Kane there. I think, I personally think he'll want to win something like an FA Cup, obviously a league or a Champions League, but like if we win an FA Cup and show that we're progressing and, and, and challenging for leagues, then I think he'd stay another season. But I think also as well now with this coronavirus, like Daniel Levy will demand 200 million for him. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how long he's got left on his contract, but I would imagine it's at least three years, by which time he'll be about 30, 29, 30. Uh, so who's got the 200 million that Levy will no doubt demand for him? Even Real Madrid would struggle with that, I think. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know why Redknapp got so much hate for asking that question, because every Spurs fan knows the answer to that before the question was even asked. It's just now Kane has come out and said it.
But, yeah. And, and no one can really blame him. We, we haven't bought anyone for a year. You know, we've really regressed. We were looking like three years ago, maybe, like we could win a title. Didn't buy anyone. No, we've completely regressed. And, you know, Kane's scoring goals for fun at a rate for fun. No one can really blame him if he decided he wanted to leave. And then the last thing that's happened, which I'm not happy about, leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. Levy furloughing the staff, so 80%. And for those of you who don't know what furlough is, that's the government scheme so that uh, they will pay 80% of an employee's wages while this um, coronavirus pandemic is on and um, we're in lockdown. Uh, it's for two months, starting from the 1st of April, so 1st of June it ends, and then there's the option then to review it and then possibly extend it. Um, but, you know, I mean... I, I don't know why some of the players aren't saying, oh, you know, drop some of my wages, give that to the staff so that they can get 100% even though they're not working. Uh, I did read the PFA have said for the players to hold off, which is just ridiculous. I mean, they want so much more money, but then I don't understand why they, the player can't just phone up a chairman and go, oh, you know, just don't pay me as much. Give it to these people. But then also on that, that side of the coin there's plenty of millionaires and billionaires in the country and, and celebrities who have got so much money yeah but there's no call or I've not seen any on Twitter call for them to hand money over to, to lesser fortunate people um, you know yeah, so but it's just typical of Levy, isn't it? Like, you know, we made £60 million profit, but then it is... We, I did see a stat that we've paid a lot of tax this year compared to other Premier League teams, so we essentially are helping the uh, economy. But, you know, when you've got so much money and players on so much money who aren't dropping anything, they're getting 100%, literally doing nothing, living in their mansions. And this isn't just Tottenham, this is every club. Uh and then you've got staff who, you know, all on their 100% for a lot of clubs, but, you know, not got any work done. If they're coming back, the players could help out. Same with Formula One drivers, like Lewis Hamilton, although Formula One drivers, none of them live in the UK. And then you've got fucking Richard Branson, who's asking for a bailout after he tried to sue the NHS because he hasn't got enough money, he's laid all his staff off. So you're fucking island. You've got a fucking island which you use as a tax haven so you don't have to pay any tax to the government. Now you want their help. Sell your pissing island and then cough it up yourself. And talking about the NHS as well, the, the, the clap that's happening every, every Thursday, which is good because it gives them respect. But like, I'm not, I'm not a nurse or, or work in the NHS, but it'd be interesting to know from nurses what they think about it because I, I'm sure they appreciate it that. If I was a nurse, looking at what I've seen, and I know a few people who are in the NHS, I would say the respect that they want is more money and more funding um, rather than a round of applause. But that round of applause and that respect has to carry on after this is finished. It, you know, it's all very well doing it now, and it, it's totally justified to give the respect to the nurses and, and, and the people in the NHS, uh, supermarket staff and delivery drivers as well, perfectly understandable and deserved to give them that respect but it has to carry on after this it can't just go back to how it was and no respect uh, so it has to and you know everyone in those jobs should be getting some kind of pay rise or bonus 
when this is finished, either by their company or, or more likely, and what should happen by the government. Um, yeah, because they're keeping the country going at the moment. But anyway, it's enough banging on for me about that kind of stuff and all the negative stuff, so I'll take a break. So, like I said, we'll take a break. Uh, that's all the coronavirus and Tottenham news uh, after this little break. Uh, talk about uh, what I've been doing to try and like entertain myself and keep out of boredom uh, in this tough, tough time. Uh, there's only a certain few things you can do, and then you know, before there's only so much TV you can watch before you get bored, or films you can watch before you get bored. Uh, so, yeah. So talk about that and TV shows I've been watching. Uh, back in a bit. And we're back. So this this quarantine, which could last for another couple of months, could last even longer than that. I mean, I do, I do think that if uh, it lasts too long, People are just going to go stir crazy at home, not being able to do this, and then there'll be violence because people just get so angry. Go out to the supermarket, someone will, you know, do something that's not even that annoying, and then because they're so wound up, they'll end up going mad and hitting people. And so it's very important, I think, for people to stay indoors and do what the government's saying and hopefully this thing can go away. But no one really knows what's going to happen. I've seen things on Twitter that say, you know, if we do what the government say, we'll be out this by mid-May. And other things say we're, we're like this for six months. In terms of the furlough, I think the government have to extend it if, if we're not out by the end of uh, May. Because otherwise it's going to be half, 50% of, you know, the country unemployed. Uh, with no jobs going, and that will, you know, there'll be no money, people won't be able to afford mortgages and event and anything like that. So, all those companies will go to the government saying we need help because we can't afford anything, and then it just caused the country to crash. That, you know, being stuck indoors, not that great. I, I've never seen so many people running or walking in my life, you know, now that you allow that's all you're allowed out for other than food and, and medical. Um, issues. Uh, I've never seen so many people out in my life, but I guess they're getting a bit healthier, um, a bit more exercise, which exercise isn't a bad thing. Uh, but what have I been doing? I, I've taken this time to really try and learn uh, as much as I can on guitar, so presumably drive my uh, neighbours absolutely mad, although no one said anything yet. Um, not particularly loud, I don't think. I haven't got the amp turned like to 11. Um, Spinal Tap fans, they'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, so free falling is what I'm learning at the moment. Tom Petty and yeah, guy called uh, is is um two two uh, channels on YouTube. I go to Andy Guitar and Justin Guitar. Very good, very good teachers. If anyone's trying to learn guitar. Uh, so they, they teach you songs and uh, technique and chords and everything about guitar. Very, very good. So I'd recommend them. Um, so yeah, Free Falling, which it sounds an easy song because, uh, well, I thought it was an easy song because there's only three chords in it, but then the strumming pattern is what makes it tricky and then trying to use that rhythm and pattern 
as well as then the uh, singing pattern. Although I can't sing, uh, anyone who knows me will vouch for that. I'm tone deaf and you know, Australian cat sounds infinitely better than my singing voice, but you know, it's something to do. And I always think, always thought it was quite impressive that someone could sing and play guitar at the same time. Uh, yeah, so I started learning that the other day, not too far off now, I don't think. Uh, just getting the verse and the chorus sorted. Uh, also bought an N64, which I'm not sure if I mentioned the other day. Uh, anyone of my age, mid-30s or older, will know the N64. Best console in the world, in my opinion. Uh, I bought four games. Two of them didn't work. Absolutely gutted. One of them being Goldeneye, which... Goldeneye is the game that if you had an N64 and you didn't have Goldeneye, you should be forced to give the N64 back free of charge. It's like having a Mega Drive. You have to be a bit, little bit older to know that. Mega Drive and not having one of the Sonic games. Uh, yeah, or I guess an Xbox not having Halo, the first Xbox not having Halo. Um, it, yeah. I mean, if, if you asked 100 people of like my age, in mid-30s, uh, word association, say the first thing that comes to your head and you say N64, I would think 60% of them maybe would say Goldeneye. Uh, it was a quintessential game for the N64, but that didn't work. Uh, and again, Banjo-Kazooie, it's a platform game. Uh, I had this when I was a kid, so it sounds ridiculous, but that was my favourite game ever, and that didn't work either. The sequel, uh, Mario Kart, did. Uh, so I've been on the internet for God knows how many days now looking to try and find out how to fix that, and I have a fix. So the issue was the TV. The smart t the, so these old, old consoles used to connect, I think it's called an AV cable. So anyone who's technical will know this. Uh, I'm not sure I do. Um, so... You can correct me or, or, you know, I'm not technically minded, but the, basically that cable is the one that connects to the console and then connects to the TV via three cables, which are a red one, a white one, and a yellow one. So it's my understanding the yellow one is video and the red and white are the sound left and right, and then that creates stereo sound. But my TV and new TVs don't have three ports for that. So it's like, right, okay, so I bought an adapter, which then plugged into the HD cable, of the TV, uh, and then that worked with Mario Kart and Banjo-Tooie, which was a sequel to Banjo-Kazooie, uh, and they worked fine, but the other two just had this weird flicker going on, which was unplayable, and it couldn't have been good for the TV. Uh, so I tried that. I then tried using the isopropyl, I think, alcohol. It's called uh, Surgical Spirit, uh, if you go to Boots in the UK. Uh, rubbing that with a, with a cotton bud on the cartridge and then putting it into the machine and out and in and out and in and out which cleans it, doesn't damage the game uh, and that didn't work either so I was like, right <sighs> great uh, and then I found a, I've got a Samsung TV a Samsung AV adapter or an AV cable I think it is so I have one yellow port in the TV and one white so this is what plugs into the TV with one cable, which is yellow, and then at the end of that cable, it splits into three, which are the red, uh, white, and yellow. So, obviously, you, on my TV now, you, you, you 
press the source button, it tells you the different sources. So you've got live TV, HDMI, and then what have you. So I plug this in, plug the uh, three cables from the uh, machine into this, and hurrah, it works. So I have a fully functioning N64 now. So that will take up a little bit of my time. Uh, I read a book called The Chain, which I can't remember the name of the, the author. But it's essentially a, 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 a woman's daughter gets kidnapped. Um, it's a horrible subject. A woman's daughter gets kidnapped and then she's told the only way to save her daughter is to pay a ransom, kidnap someone else's kid, and for that, the parent of that child to uh, pay a ransom and then kidnap someone else and so on and so on and so on. And that's the only way. Uh, so it's an intriguing um, concept, horrible. Um, but yeah, so it started off really, really well, like, oh, what's going on here? Who, who's behind this and everything like that? And then I thought it just tailed off in the end and the ending was pretty weak. So I was quite disappointed. Um, I've read a few books like that, which are really, really, really good. And then the ending just spores it. And in other books, like The Woman in the Window that I talked about, uh, the other episode, fantastic ending. Um, so yeah, so that was disappointing. I've been told, I've read that it's been made into a film. So whether they'll add a twist into the film or not, I don't know. Uh, I did that, uh, TV, Homeland. Uh, episode six, I thought was fantastic. I won't give away any spoilers. Episode six, toward the last 10, 15 minutes, I thought was absolutely superb. And then I had a theory about what was going to happen in the series there. And then I've watched episode seven and that theory has dissipated and I've got no idea what's going to happen now. Uh, I do love that about Homeland, that you think one thing and then something happens and oh, actually, I don't think that anymore. And then it just keeps you guessing. Goldberg's still on. Kirby Enthusiasm finished. I love Kirby Enthusiasm. Larry David's a genius. And Leon is one of the best characters of all time. Um, but I didn't think this series was that great. Um, there wasn't as many laugh-out-loud moments as there have been, but then it's because everyone's in a bit of a down moment because of what's going on or because the previous series have been so good and this one just didn't live up to those expectations in my mind. Um, I still like the series. I just didn't think it was as good. Uh, Better Call Saul, I haven't watched any of them recently, so I've got a few on Netflix to catch up with them. Uh, so that'd be good to pass the time. Uh, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine has come back on E4 in the UK. It'll be in America as well, I'm sure. Uh, just stupid, stupid comedy. Um, you, you know, a lot of these sitcoms like that. Big Bang Theory is the same. Friends, same Seinfeld, Seinfeld Bester comedy program ever. All the same. You don't have to watch them in order. You can watch any episode at any time and they're still funny because each one has its own storyline. Um, but you do get bigger storylines that build up. So the whole Ross and Rachel thing in Friends was a big, big storyline uh, which goes on for series and series until the end. Uh, but, you know, each episode has its own um, storyline as well so you can watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine is like that you can just watch most of the half hour comedy shows Goldberg's the same uh, you can just watch uh, in any order uh, and that's good to pass the time uh, Fools and Horses in the UK absolute classic the same um, so yeah so 
that's basically what I've been doing the past time. Um, I'm trying to keep from boredom. Um, going for a walk, like I say, and a run. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's all crowded now on the path that I go down because uh, everyone else is out doing the same idea. Um, it's just a weird, weird, weird situation. Um, yeah, been, been to the virtual pub as well, which I'm going to at the weekend as well, actually, which is an odd thing, odd thing, but I think it's just so important, certainly if you live on your own, like I do, to, to talk to people and keep that interaction going with people. Like the worst thing you can do, I think, is just be on your own 24-7 without any interaction at all, whether it's on the phone or on Skype or on FaceTime or whatever even talking to your neighbours from a safe distance away. I think if you just stay indoors and don't get out to go for a walk or a run um, or talk to anyone, it's just going to be a really, really terrible situation. And even if it's a terrible situation anyway, it's just going to be an awful thing because you drive yourself stir-crazy and you need that kind of interaction. So... Like I say, like if you're on your own, talk to people, phone people up. If you know people who are on their own and maybe struggling, talk to them, phone them up. Um, yeah, and just try and get everyone through this. And hopefully, like I say, it doesn't last too long. And um, what I saw on Twitter, like if we uh, all follow the government's advice and stay indoors and, and isolate and uh, social distance ourselves. Then we can get rid of it and go back to a bit of normality by mid-May. What I do think, though, is as soon as it does go back to normal in a little bit, and as soon as it, I've been told it's open, I'm walking straight down the pub. And I don't think I'll be alone there. I think when pubs open, they'll be absolutely crammed and people almost queuing outside. Certainly because the summer will be here and it should be hot. Um, but, you know, those days of can't come quick enough but it is amazing how you take all these things for granted you can just go to a pub and everything like that and go to a cinema when you're bored and, and you know if you've got kids just go and take them to the park so yeah it's just sobering isn't it really um like I say hope, hopefully I don't I don't want to say hopefully we get to our peak soon and then it dissipates. You don't want anyone to die. Um, but I, I do think as well that there was a, a report that a 21-year-old girl died in Wickham through coronavirus, no um, symptom, uh, underlying health issues, which was then revealed to be that she had a heart attack, which is awful, awful. But I think the whole reporting of it as coronavirus is because the government balls up in the first place by saying when this first thing came about that it only affected old people or people with health conditions. So now they put people in lockdown and tell people to stay indoors, all the people who aren't old or got health conditions go outside. So they have to make up stories to try and keep people indoors. Now I just think with the governments it's just boy who cried wolf, no one believes anything they say. And all they you know, to try and get people to do what they do, they just lie more and more and more without a rather than tell the truth. Um, but yeah, ho hopefully the, the deaths and the cases go down, not just here, but worldwide, and then we can get to some kind of normality. Like, 
normal isn't going to happen for a long, long time. It's going to have to be phased in, I think. I can't just suddenly, like a switch, go, okay, everything open back to normal because it just won't. But hopefully work can get back to normal a lot quicker than all of that and then people can start earning their money and keep their jobs because from my point of view, I like my job. I like the company I work for. I want to go back. Um, and I, I would imagine there's a lot of people in that similar situation who, like me, are worried about what's going to happen. So hopefully that worry doesn't have to last too long and it can go back to a bit more normal. But a sobering end to the podcast, but, you know, we a sobering time. Alright, so that's about it today after that sobering end. Uh, hopefully everything can get back to normal, sport can start and, and like I say work starts again for people who are on furlough or companies are struggling and then get those back to normal then we can start opening pubs again and people are allowed to go out and do their stuff. Um, yeah, so I mean talking about Tottenham season here, maybe a season that doesn't even exist. Um, like I said earlier, which is a weird one, but moment time being it does so next episode I'll talk about the midfield um, what I think about their season uh, and then <laughs> bore you to death with what uh, guitar songs I've been learning again probably still be on free falling I'm not the greatest in the world by any stretch of the imagination um, and TV shows I won't give any spoilers again and if I've read any books um, but again look, Feel free to give any uh, comments like you say or questions or ideas to keep people entertained while, while this is still going on. Uh, Twitter again, at LTalkTottenham. Um, and stay safe, stay indoors and speak again next episode. <laughs>